0: Great, he is. Amen. It is a wonderful day to be in the house of the Lord. Thank you all for braving the bone chilling cold out there to be here with us this morning and praise Him. And as we transition from worshiping, Worshiping through confession, confessing our sins, the iniquities of our hearts and our minds, and asking God to fill us with His presence and and to transform our minds. So, to help motivate us toward that state of mind, I'm going to read you guys a few verses out of 1 John chapter 1. we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Think about those words, I'm going to drop my voice for a few minutes for us to pray silently and then we'll get in. God I thank you for the blessing that name of Christian or not, and I pray that you will cleanse our hearts and minds and prepare us to hear who you speak. I pray that you would speak through me and I pray that you would soften the hearts of those that are here this morning and need to hear my voice. We pray these things and will be in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Right. So this morning are going to be in the book of Acts, chapter 2, and we are going to look at the whole chapter. It's 47 verses long, so I'll try to get you guys out of here before 3 o'clock. In all seriousness, though, um, I will try to keep it short. We'll, We'll look at the whole So, the entirety of Acts chapter 2 is a bit of a a story that's telling us about what you may have heard called the New Testament church. Um, The book of Acts is the first book in the Bible immediately following the four Gospels. So, we've read the story about Jesus, and then in Acts chapter 1 we see where he ascends back into heaven seated at the right hand of the Father. And then, subsequently, the New Testament Church, His Church, His Bride, is established. And so, just to preface this, if you guys didn't know, if you are sitting here in the pew this morning, if you claim the name of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are a part of the New Testament Church. You are a part of whether it's here at Caruso Baptist or on your couch at home or down the road at any of the thousands of churches along Millville Avenue, you are a part of the Church of God. So this is our origin story that we're reading today. This is, this is where, we, where we got our beginning. If you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, Savior, this isn't a license to check out. I'm not. I'm not just talking with God. I don't believe he's just speaking to the believers in I don't think that he was when these words were penned thousands of years ago. This, this isn't a, a country club that we're sitting in here today. You don't have to be in any kind of particular socioeconomic status to be here. We're not not asking you for a monetary contribution to be a part of the Church of God. It is one thing and one thing only, and that is that you repent of your sins and call on the name of the Lord Jesus. And so I hope this morning, whether you are a Christian or not, that I'm sure you guys didn't know. Um, My dad got saved on Super Bowl Sunday several years ago. For me to be up here following a baptism is a a pretty wonderful opportunity, so praise the Lord for that. But I want to invite you guys this morning. title of the message this morning is an invitation. Let's get back to our roots and look at what the church was and is supposed to be. We're going to look at this in three parts and like any good Southern Baptist preacher, all. heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then In verse 8 of chapter 1 he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. and You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So, what we have here is a little predictive text. Jesus is essentially prophesies what is going to happen and what we see played out in Acts chapter 2. So in the beginning of Acts chapter 2, it says, "Verse one right at the beginning, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. This is talking about the apostles. The apostles were in this place called the
1: where they were hiding after Jesus went back up to heaven after he ascended to be with the Lord. Um, I'm sure that they were
0: facing a lot of persecution in that time. Their their Savior, this man that they called the Son of God, was just gone. And so they may have even been hiding. But when when the day of Pentecost arrives in the city of Jerusalem, that meant a whole bunch of people show up. I like to think of it like if you took the city of Hamilton and stuffed the population of New York City into it. it, was very densely populated, the number of people in this small space greatly increased in that short amount of time. And it wasn't a city like Hamilton or New York City, it was, it was obviously things were built different back then, so I think it's important to look at the context because it was a very open-air environment. Sounds traveled. Smells traveled. It would be a bad place to have a bunch of teenage boys. Um, social distancing wasn't even a thing. It wasn't even on their minds back then. But in verses 2 through 4 of chapter 2, we see we see what happens as a result of, of what Jesus predicted in a verses 2 through 4, he says, And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So, you might be sitting here wondering what the heck is going on. Um, this is, this is another somewhat contentious topic in Christianity, the idea of speaking in tongues. There's a lot of different viewpoints on it. Um, and I won't go into that in depth this morning, but if you are interested in that topic, I suggest 1 Corinthians 14, Paul has some good things to say about it there. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 12, he says, so with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, like we see here in these verses. Strive to excel in building up the church. Strive to give your excellence to build up the church. We're not supposed to, I think it's putting the cart before the horse a little bit when we're looking for. A manifestation of the Holy Spirit, like we see here in Acts chapter 2, but all we give on a Sunday morning is what we have left in the tank after a long work week or something like that. God is supposed to be our number one focus, but I'm not going to go in-depth into the speaking in tongues issue this morning, because I don't think that's the point see, of this message. It is an example of... But I think the point life. lies in verse twelve of chapter two. It says there, all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? So going back to the context, this is an open-air environment and you hear and see and smell and all of that, everything that's going on. And so this group of believers starts speaking in all of these crazy different languages there's all of this commotion and a bunch of people are attracted to it, they hear what's going on and they're all what's going on over there we want to go see, we want to go find out what's going on with this crazy group of Christians some were confused Verse 13 says, But others talking said they are filled with new wine. And essentially, what that saying is, you know, they talk, they're drunk. But I have a, a cool little illustration for you guys this morning that I don't remember exactly where I learned, but I think it helps us understand what's going on here. I'm going to make a potentially controversial point here But hear me out. I think that they were drunk. Now that word has its meanings. and I'm, I'm not speaking about being drunk on alcohol. I'm speaking about being drunk on the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were not filled so just to get our minds in the right frame this morning an illustration that I once learned is that whatever you put in your pitcher or your cup is what gets poured out. So I've got some nice Hawaiian punch in my morning. So when I pour this out into this cup What's gonna pour into that cup? A well, bunch, because that's what was in there. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was honestly worried that I was gonna spill it all in. the <laughs> In the same way, though, think of yourself as. The only thing that you are going to pour out to the community around you, to the people in your life, to your friends and family, is what gets poured in. If it's things of the world, if it's drugs, alcohol, pornography, lust, anything worldly, if it's possessions, clothing, money, that's what you're gonna pour out to the people in your lives, that's what you're gonna share with them, consciously or unconsciously, you might not do it intentionally, but that's what is going to be reflected through you. But if you fill your picture with the Holy Spirit, if you get drunk on the Holy Spirit, so to speak, that's what's going to pour out to the people in your lives, and you are going to better be able to share the truth of the gospel with your friends and family in this lost and dying world that we live in. So that... What attracted those people to the upper room in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. It was not just those men that were there, it was the working of the Holy Spirit through them. So keep that in mind, and we're going to move on to point number two, the attention. Uh, this encompasses verses 14 through 36 chapter 2 if you guys are tracking along with me. Hmm? And so all of these people show up and they're all from different nationalities different ethnicities and Peter one of the apostles stands up it says in verse 14 Peter standing with the eleven lifted up his voice and addressed them. So he uses Focuses their attention on Jesus. Verses 22 through 24 of Acts chapter 2 say, Men of Israel, hear these words Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs of God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up a him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by them. So he presents the gospel to them. He uses the opportunity not to focus their attention on himself standing up there and speaking to them, not to focus their attention on the men that are speaking in all of these crazy languages. He uses the opportunity to focus their attention on Jesus. And he leaves them with a command that Verse 36, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. What attracted those people was the work of the Holy Spirit, not themselves. The attraction to our churches today, the attraction to the New Testament church is not supposed to be us It's not supposed to be the clothes that we wear. It's not supposed to be a rock star pastor, which we have two of here. It's not aesthetics or food or the music that we play or anything like that. It is Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit. It is not about us. Turn to your neighbor and say, It's not about you. It's never supposed to be about us. Not today, not tomorrow. It wasn't about us. It wasn't about them. Two thousand years ago when these events took place. So we've looked, we've looked now at the first two parts, the attraction and the attention. What attracted these people to the upper room? The yeah. attention being placed on the Holy Spirit, on Jesus Christ. And so now we get to what I think is the tough part the action. This is where I think as Christians we often tend to follow a bit short. How, how did they respond when they were attracted to this group of men? What happened as a result of it. So first we see in verse 37 of Acts chapter 2, Paul writes, Now that they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles and brothers, What shall we do? I want to take a quick look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. that says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing, Of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So, right there we see in verse 37 of Acts chapter 2, they were cut to the heart. Peter preached the word to them, and they were convicted by it. And they said, Brothers, what shall we do? In verse 38, Peter responds to them, and he says, Repent and proclaim that change of heart, that salvation, that wonderful news that you are a child of God. Just like it wasn't a secret in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, it's not supposed to be a secret about us. I mean, think about it. If you're in the grocery store or walking down the street in Hamilton or at work at Chick-fil-A, shout out. (laughs) co-workers, your neighbors the random person that you're standing next to in the cereal aisle can they tell that you're a Christian if all of us went to the same grocery store, could they tell those, are, those people who go to church, they're all Christians this might not sit well with some people in here but I would I would say no I would say that often we do not follow the examples of action that we see here in Acts chapter 2. The response of the people that were attracted to these events. So, in verse 42 through 47, what we read this morning, let's read through. Those again. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. That Greek word for devoted literally means to adhere. Stuck like glue. You stick to it and you don't come apart. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, they were devoted to the ministry of the word, they were devoted to the teaching of their of the word of God and what it commanded them about how to live their lives and how to spread the truth of Jesus Christ. They were devoted to fellowship. They gathered together. They shared meals together, the breaking of bread, and they prayed together. They were invested in one one another. And it says, all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And I like to make the point here, some of you guys have hear heard me say this before, but they didn't all have the same favorite color. They didn't all like the same brand of shoes. This isn't talking about material possessions. This is talking about the time that they had. They gave their lives to one another. It wasn't just an hour or two on a Sunday morning, or an extra hour or two on Wednesday night. It was constant, consistent devotion to one another. We need us. That's something that we've said in the 412 youth group on Wednesday nights. We need each other. You can't just go it alone. fellow believers around you and that's that's why the apostles had each other that's why Jesus had the apostles he had a close group of friends to grow with to spend time with they filled themselves with the Holy Spirit and they poured it out to their friends and the family and the community that they lived in this friends is the substance it's not probably going to step on some toes here this morning, but we live in a world of commercial Christianity. If you guys have ever watched like the American Gospel documentary, it was on Netflix, but it's not anymore. The Gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ, the truth of our salvation is not the clothes that we wear. It's not it's not in our pastor, it's not in the building that we go to, it's in the truth of the Word of God. It's not boardroom ideas or a creative team coming up with a cool theme for your church or cool contemporary looking decor. It's not it's not in a rock star pastor, it's not in a rock star worship leader. Sorry, Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had the privilege about a year ago um, almost exactly a year ago I got to go to a uh, Men's Summit at Urban Crest Baptist Church up in Lebanon some of you may have even been there um, one of the speakers there was the a guy named Van, Vance Pittman from uh, Hope Church in Las Vegas raveled all the way out here. I don't know why anybody would come this far to go to Ohio. But he came out here to speak to that giant sanctuary full of men. One of the things that stuck with me that he said that morning was that the word of God is not supposed to be the seasoning that we put on top of our meals. The meat of the sermon, the meat of what we are about as Christians is not those creative team ideas, it's not the things that we come up with this book friends is not about us turn to your neighbor again and say it's not about you from cover to cover this story all goes back to one person that hung on that cross 2000 years ago died, and for your sins, and for mine. So, when we inject ourselves into this, and we make it about us, and we make the sermons, and the music, and the church service on Sunday about us, we're doing it all wrong, guys. The meat of what we are supposed to singular one there is no other way to the Father except in him so Peter gets up and he preaches that to them and what happens in verse 41 of Acts chapter 2 it says those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls and then in verse 47 praising God and having favor thousand or so people and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved as a whole looking at it, Christianity, not just charismatic, Baptist, not just the church in America even, is God adding to our number day by day those who are being saved I again would say no stepping on some toes this morning, but the numbers show that Christianity is on the decline. People are not bought into the idea that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. He's just not the You can come up with your own other alternatives to fit whatever you want to follow, whatever rules you want to go by. But that's not says, it's not what it tells us to do. We are supposed to, if if we are true Bible-believing Christians, if we call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, He is the way, the only way, and this book is the only thing that we're supposed to be about. It's not about us. So, We're gonna wrap up here, Caleb and praise team. You guys can make your way out. I want to. I want to leave you guys thinking about this. If you are a Christian sitting here today, if if you are a member of the New Testament Church, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, what do you need to be doing differently? What? What do we need to be doing differently? Because I'm a part of the problem, too. I believe that I'm a Christian. I believe that I'm a part of the New Testament church. And I'm a part of that declining number of Christians in the world today. So what am I doing wrong? What are we doing wrong? Let's work together and figure it out. Not... are not a believer, not a church Just think about it. Do you want to be a part of a group of people like this? Because we, we might need you. We do need